10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None podcast. This is episode three. Matt Stoltz, Brad Bobo with you. And we're starting school now. It's that time. It is. Uh, As we sit here speaking, it was the first day of school for most people around here. Uh, I had to get out and make my first drop off of the year. How'd that go? uh, It was... A madhouse because um, not only deal with first day of school traffic and uh, in the particular route I have to take, you're dealing with two schools first day of school traffic because I have to go by a junior high to get to the elementary school I'm going to. And then in the midst of all that, a couple of people also had a little fender bender, it would appear, and then just amongst them made the decision to not move and they just sat there. As if uh, the, the first day of school traffic isn't mm-hmm. tough enough to try to manage uh, a fender bender on top of that. Yeah, it was a. Anyway, it ended up not even going that way. I ended up take, my kid ended up walking up the hill and going to school because there's another way you could take it. But anyway. Well, that's what our parents did, right? They, they walked uphill both ways yeah, to school. He did. He walked uphill. But I walked with him. But uh, anyway, yeah, first day of school underway and uh, certainly uh you know we sending out good vibes to not just the kids but especially the, the teachers and the admins and everybody in the schools everybody's got a lot on their plate anyway and then extra headaches they probably didn't think they were going to be dealing with when last school year ended and so yeah just be kind to people please we've got a big episode today it is uh, again our third episode and we've got a big guest coming up sure enough here in just a little bit uh, our buddy butch jones will be joining us and you know you and i talked about this earlier you know we want to talk and we'll have all season to get into the x's and o's and get into to players and personnel and what the team's doing on the field but we kind of want to go a little bit deeper than that today yeah there's not uh i don't anticipate there being uh any talk about players at all honestly it's just not that's not really the thing uh but i i do think it'll be uh interesting for folks to hear and so if you're gonna you know get a podcast off the ground then what helps is a you know big name guest so who better to start with than the head ball coach now, one thing that we were able to do over the weekend is take in mm-hmm. the very first scrimmage of That's the right. preseason. And, you know, I know there's some folks that would love as fans to go and, and watch these preseason workouts. And, you know, there's some places that allow that, some places that don't. And you understand it both ways why coaches kind of manage things the way they do but because we're in our position as part of the radio crew you and I and Philip Butterfield were all able to 
take in the scrimmage on Saturday, and there was certainly a lot to take yeah. in. Yeah, and so we we you know promised people when we started this thing we'd give them some behind the scenes stuff. So we got a chance to do that today. First of all, you know, you guys also treated it as a scrimmage. You got some snaps in, uh, which I you know I give uh, Philip. We we talked about adding Philip to the mix last week, and uh, give him all the credit in the world for. Uh, want to do everything he can do on the front end before September 4th gets here to to try to flatten that learning curve because you know he he, he turned to me one time and said look man he said this is just a, you know it's a different thing this is you know it's never done anything like this and I told him I said look I can't go down there and play quarterback and if I could just walk down there and play quarterback it would have ticked you off if you just would have sat down here and been real good you'd have ticked me off what have we been spending all this <laughs> I'm working on this for if you just walk right in here and good right off the bat I will tell you that Philip is extremely dedicated already he's been listening to last year's broadcast he wanted to hear some of our broadcast with coach Keedy back in the past I actually sent him a, a clip from the win over Utah State earlier today with coach Keedy on the air and, and kind of that exciting finish and, and he's already listened to that so that kind of gives you an example of how hard Philip is uh, is working to you know try to be the best he can yeah. be in his first year and that's cool it's cool to see and I have no doubt that people are going to enjoy uh, what Philip will bring to the mix but we did because you know being the broadcast crew we did get a chance to see the the closed scrimmage and uh, figure we could talk with the people a little bit about what we saw can't we i think we can and you know one thing that butch jones mentioned in his i guess post scrimmage press conference was the fact that he liked the intensity and they ran over a hundred plays in the scrimmage but one thing he was disappointed with was the number of penalties there were 16 penalties in the scrimmage and he said they were, you know, equal opportunity, pre-snap, 15-yarders, you know, block in the bag, you know, all kinds. It wasn't any one mistake they were making over and over and over. They made all kinds of mistakes, uh, you know, to the tune of, uh, as you said, 16 of them was the number he gave us in his presser. And he said that was unacceptable, <laughs> and we watched it play out on the field. When there was a penalty, the scrimmage was stopped, and it was addressed right then but you could tell that it was a first scrimmage and I thought it was really interesting and again coach Jones talked about this after the scrimmage just needing to cut down on the number of penalties but you tweeted out something that that coach Jones said and I thought it was really interesting just the need to have officials on the field the scrimmage was the first time that we saw that the other day, but he was looking at kind of taking some other routes to get officials out there. First of all, he said this is the first place he's been that they didn't have officials every day. Wow. So the first place he's been that they didn't have officials in practice every day. So they rolled around after seven practices in the scrimmage. They're on the field with officials for the first time. And he said, you could tell it. So he put a call out. I mean, and it, this was early in his opening comments where he literally sort of put a call out, a call to action to anybody in the area who's a high school or college football ref. If you're wanting to knock the rust off, if you're wanting to get some work in before your season starts, or if you're just wanting to help the cause, 
they're wanting officials in practice as many days as they can get them lined up. So if you're listening to this and you're close enough to get to Jonesboro, you can get in touch. Heck, you can get in touch with us if you want to. We know who to get you in touch with uh, to help line up. They, they're wanting officials on that practice field with them every chance they can get. So the penalties was something that Coach Jones addressed, but I know he was also asked about some of the pleasant surprises in the scrimmage and through preseason camp to this point. And it kind of went along with what we saw in the scrimmage the other day. And I know you and I get asked a lot about the new guys and who are some of the freshmen that might be kind of stepping up during preseason camp. And I think this answer kind of goes hand in hand because the guys that stood out, some of the new guys that stood out were true freshmen that we're seeing a whole lot of reps. So here's the deal. I asked Coach Jones the kind of pleasant surprise question, and I asked it the way I asked it because it was I, I could not sit down. like right. I couldn't walk in that presser and ask him specifically about a couple of names because the other people in the presser didn't see it, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of my workaround on that was to say, hey, is there anybody who may be a pleasant surprise to you? And fortunately, the first two names he named in that answer were guys that you and I and Philip, you know, we were sitting around talking about us having kind of jumping off the page at you at just how much they're out there. You know, a couple of them, you know, Emmanuel Stevenson, a freshman tied in. And out of all these receivers, either newcomers and transfers. And we've this got and a lot that, of good ones. The one that finds himself out there a lot in the middle of the action is a walk-on named Reagan Ely from the Tampa area. Reagan Ely, 5'9", 160. He is a true freshman from Plant City, Florida. And he he was. He was out there a lot, and he looked good out there uh, during the scrimmage on Saturday. So those were a couple of names that Coach Jones mentioned. Now, they're both true freshmen, and, and Emmanuel Stevenson looks like he belongs out there just – alongside Reed Tyler and another true yeah. freshman in Seydoux Traore. And Seydoux was a guy that undoubtedly was the young man that the coaching staff seemed most excited to get yeah. back on signing day. In fact, Coach Jones told you and I on and off the air just how excited he was to get Seydoux. He's a freak of an athlete. He's from London, a former soccer goalkeeper. He's only been playing football the last couple of years, but he definitely looks like he can step in and contribute right away. What Coach Jones told us on signing day was they got Sadu signed. He said he picked up his phone and text Travis Kelsey, a guy he coached back in college, and said, we just signed your clone. And so the question we ask him is, well, what do he say back? And he said, send me the tape. <laughs> <laughs> and there's been some freak things. I know there was a video on social media with him just jumping out of a pool onto the ledge of it. I mean, things that... That's crazy. And it, it shows just the strength of this young man. And again, with with Reed Tyler, who I believe is, is already one of the better tight end slash H-backs in our league to have a couple of true freshmen come in and and rotate in like a like a Seydu and Emmanuel Stevenson uh, that's that's a position that looks really promising defensively uh, real quick a couple of names you know uh 
Coach Jones was quick to just say, look, we need Kavon Bennett to be a leader on this defense. The Tennessee transfer, you've seen him in practice. He's caused a lot of uh, problems from his defensive end spot. And Coach just put it out there that this guy needs to be a leader on our defense. And we were talking about those pleasant surprises. Another guy he mentioned was Cam Jeffries, another true freshman they signed out of the state of Alabama, like Stevenson. This guy, now he's a little bit like Sadu Traore in that he, he may not get a chance to be a surprise because he had a lot of hype, mm-hmm. Cam Jeffries did. But he did say in the case of Stevenson, in the case of Ely, obviously in the case of Traore, and in the case of Cam Jeffries, these are all guys who are going to be out there playing as true freshmen. Yeah, and what you notice, too, is the emergence of some of the returners on defense. Uh, a lot of the names that we kind of got to know last year and really – you look at last year's defense and just how many young guys kind of had to play out of necessity, maybe before they were completely ready uh, to get out onto the field. Now, I'm looking at those corner spots, and right now I see a, a really good junior college transfer in Leon Jones, and I think he, he can be a real difference maker there. But Sammy Johnson, Kenny Harris, these were guys that were – freshman last year and came in and and made an immediate impact sammy was actually a a sophomore last year he'll be a sophomore again this year Mm -hmm. but kenny harris was a freshman and then you look at somebody that's still young in the growth process and jarius romanek who who will be a a very big contributor as well then you look at somebody like taylan doss who made some really good plays in the scrimmage the other day he was a corner last year he's moved to that safety spot and he's right there next to antonio fletcher who as we've seen during his you know brief time already here at arkansas state can be that that difference maker so these guys are all a year older and hopefully you know, have taken some some big strides now. Now bounce around a little bit, but one more thing we can tell the people in case they haven't gotten a chance to to see it or or, or haven't seen enough of practice or enough of the media coverage out there to to know this yet. It's a deep bunch of running backs, and I believe oh as we sit here talking inside three weeks from the opener, uh, there, there's. I mean, you said there there are four guys at that running back spot all getting about an equal amount of the touches. And Lincoln Perry, who rightly so, our fans got extremely excited about last year, uh, is back. He looks great. Marcel Murray looks as good as he has since probably you know, his true freshman year because he's got that brace off of his knee. He He's moving around. He seems confident uh, moving around once again. Uh, you know, so hopefully he's passed all of his injuries now, but they've got a couple of new guys that that are certainly you know giving them their money's worth for the rep load at running back. And you know the two guys that we're talking about are Alan Lamar, who was an All Ivy League selection in his time at Yale. He looks great. And then Johnny Lang, a speedster out of Iowa State, is in that backfield as well. So. You look at those four guys right there, and you're right. It's a very deep running back room. Yeah, and you're comfortable seeing any of the four out there. So hopefully, it'd be interesting to watch that uh, go. And then, you know, obviously, uh, you kind of wrap it up where everybody does, talking about the quarterback position. You know, I, I know in talking with you, you're, we, we probably saw more of James Blackman than Lane Hatcher on 
Saturday scrimmage overall, uh, especially early in it. But you know, it's just one of those deals where Lane is Lane. He walks up there, he, he goes up there and leads the scoring drives. And uh, Coach Jones did say, I mean, he. He had a lot of good things to say about James Blackman following that scrimmage. And not just about Saturday, but in the, I think he said about a three-day stretch leading into it where he said you can really start to see it kind of click. And you see James Blackman kind of picking it up in leaps and bounds. And it was going to take a little while for for James to grasp the new offense. Uh, He's been under several different offensive coordinators during his career. And when he was at Florida State, I I think he had three different OCs during his time there. So just learning another offensive system is something that obviously he's done before, but it was going to take a a few days for him to kind of get acclimated. And it seems like he's getting more and more comfortable every day. In the meantime, we are going to step aside. And when we come back, we hope to be joined by our friend and the A-State head football coach, Butch Jones. Stay tuned. That's coming up next on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize your home really really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender subject to credit approval. This is the second to none podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz, Brad Bobo, and we're pleased to be joined now by the head ball coach at Arkansas State, Butch Jones. How you doing, coach? I'm doing great, Matt and Brad. It's great to be on your podcast and I hope you all are doing great. Well, we appreciate you classing the join up here a little bit. Uh, I, I want to kind of, and, and from my standpoint in this conversation, I'm going to empty the tank with some things that we I haven't had a chance to ask you in our conversations to this point. And I'll, I'll start with this one. Whether it's whether this answer is one person or ten or whatever, who who made you want to be a football coach? Boy, uh, well, you know, I've always loved sports. Um, and had an affinity for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and football and played all the sports. But I think starting off at an early age, um, it's always a high school coach uh, that makes an impact in your life. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to have some very impactful coaches at an early age, whether it was basketball coaches, football coaches, always love the competitive side of things, the, the team side of things, but also the strategy as well. And, uh, you know, coming from a small town in Michigan, I had 62 individuals uh, in my graduating class. And so, you know, and then I went to a Division II school in Ferris State. So your contacts are very minimal. And you were responsible for creating, you know, your network. And as we all know, it's exceptionally hard in this profession. And really any any profession in uh just kept writing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for about four years and then got a call and uh, asked them, they asked me if I wanted to come do laundry at training camp. And it was when Ray Perkins <laughs> became a football coach. Ah. And the, the nuance was uh, I had to be there the next day. And uh, guess what? I, I quit my summer job. Uh, I was uh, in high school at the time. Uh, just getting ready to go to college. 
and quit my summer job and got on a plane and went there. And after about two weeks, uh, they elevated me to on the game on the field. So I didn't have to do laundry anymore. And just one thing led to another and kind of, you know, made a stamp a little bit on that organization. And then the uh, defensive coordinator at the time becomes the head coach at Rutgers. And next thing you know, I'm at Rutgers. Mm. Full circle. A-State head coaches, Ray Perkins and Butch Jones. Yeah, Yeah, it was uh, 1987. And it was when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were back in what I call the orange days. Those were some great uniforms, by the way. And you actually got to to wash those uniforms <laughs> for two weeks, Coach. Even, you know, it's funny is, uh, you know, being in the equipment room and, and being a lifelong Buccaneers fan. And uh, one of my very, very best friends lived in Tampa, and he's in, he's in football coaching as well. And, you know, he worked, and we had kind of the same responsibilities uh, with the Bucks. But uh, when I went back home, to Michigan this this past summer, I went into the dormer at my mom and dad's, and I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who has more Buccaneer memorabilia <laughs> from back in the days, from guys from Leroy Selman to Vinny Testaverde uh, to you name it. Um, so we kind of exchange pictures all the time. But again, you know, you, you're responsible for creating your own breaks, and you know, had to do that. And, you know, it was very fortunate. Some people took a took a chance on me, and it's worked out. Well, I got how's a Michigan kid become a Bucks fan in the first place? I had some relatives that lived down there and went down there on a family vacation in 1976, uh, which was the, the inaugural year of the Bucks, and kind of fell in love with them. Yeah. And just it's crazy how it all worked out. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of unique and ironic but that's the way it was was it always football for you did you have any other loves as far as sports were concerned yeah i loved basketball you know i loved all the sports but you know kept i initially was kind of hoping to be a basketball coach but uh really kind of just came full circle with football and you know initially like i told everyone my dad was my hero. Uh, he was the chief of police in town. And so, you know, I really kind of wanted to be a go into law enforcement. But once I got into really experiencing sports and competing and being around it, and then, you know, when you get an opportunity to, to go to the National Football League and kind of experience that, that kind of that was the topper with everything. Now, you mentioned your dad, and we – kind of get to see a unique situation with you being dad and coach right now here at Arkansas State. And I think it's pretty neat. And I know that your son, Alex, your older son, actually played for you at Tennessee, but now he's a GA for you here at A-State. And not only do you have him on staff, but you're coaching one of your sons as well. Adam is a wide receiver for you. Yeah, it's a very unique experience in and of itself. And you know, we're very blessed and fortunate to, to have this type of situation when, you know, you have your your older son who's on the coaching staff. You know, now you have your middle son who's, you know, making an impact on the team and playing every day. And it gives you a unique perspective because not only now do I look at things through the eyes of a head coach, I look at through the eyes of being a father. And so there's a lot that goes into that and having our 14-year-old and 
you know, it's amazing you guys bring this up because about an hour ago, uh, you know, I was walking through the hallway and, and Barb, my wife, is here and uh, Andrew, our 14-year-old, is here. And then I, then all of a sudden, Alex passed me in the hallway to ask me a question. And, oh, and then there's Adam going to meetings. <laughs> and it was kind of a, a stoppage of time a little bit. And, you know, it's kind of a unique situation. Uh, and we're enjoying and trying to take full advantage of that as well. Butch Jones, head football coach, son of the police chief, really, really nice guy off the field, uh, almost soft-spoken, I'd say, yet big-time intense on the field. Don't let that demeanor fool you when we step on the field. That's what I was going to say. You can just tell, and I don't don't mind kind of outing them here because both of our wives have asked us about kind of your intensity on the field. So how can both of those be true? Well, I think you have to have a passion for everything that you do. And, you know, I think the great thing about being a head coach is you get to paint the vision for what you want in the culture. And everything in our football program is about being driven and everyone working to be the best version of themselves every single day. And I think, you know, this isn't a job. This isn't a hobby. You know, this is a love. This is a passion. This is our life. You know, it's the Jones family's life. But, you know, I love competing. Uh, I love uh, creating changes in individuals and seeing them grow and develop. And uh, that's what's been really remarkable with this football team. Now, we have a long way to go, but really seeing the growth and development from everyone really in our football program, you know, that's very, very rewarding to me. But I love to compete. I love to teach. I love to coach. Um, I love everything about it. So when you step on the football field, that's that's your passion, that's your energy coming out. You know, one thing that I was talking about the other day, in fact, on our last podcast, just one of the things that, that I admire most about you already is just your attention to detail. And I was giving an example to Brad the other day, just watching you in one of the practices and you kind of stop in a drill because the ball was not marked in just the right spot. And, and I thought, man, that's awesome having that kind of attention to detail and it seems just kind of being around you the short amount of time that that we have that that's uh, that's something that uh, you know is an emphasis in everything you do well it is it's all about the details and we want to do simpler better than anybody in america and i think it's having the, the pride in performance or the pride in, in everything that you do you know everything that goes on in our football program um, it's about a pride of being the best in America. You know, we want to lead the country in effort. You know, we want to be an exceptionally tough football team. We want to have the fundamentals and details and our players truly understanding what it takes to play winning football. So there's a lot that goes into it. But, you know, this is a very detail-oriented sport. And Jim Trussell used to tell me this all the time. He'd say, Butch, you get what you inspect. And so, again, everything is, is full attention to details, you know, making sure a lot of times when we throw the ball, the ball is off the yard line because the, the ball is very rarely on the yard line. You know, just small details. And, again, you know, winning is very, very hard. And, you know, it may sound coach speak, but everybody is searching for the inches. But, really, mm. that's what it's all about. It's, it, it's in the details 
uh, with everything that you do. I think it's the ability to have a critical eye in everything and the ability to self-assess everything that goes on in your program. And that's what I love about it. And that's what we're going to keep demanding. And the, the funny thing, and not funny thing, but just the unique thing is now seeing our players uh, kind of speak the same language and look for the same details and the fundamentals. That's been fun to really watch that occur. I remember Coach standing on the sideline in Tuscaloosa in 2018. I'm standing, getting ready for the broadcast like always. Alabama's on the field stretching. And, and honest to goodness, I look up and go, I mean, crap, that, that's Butch Jones standing right there. And not that I knew you weren't there, but it's just to see Butch Jones standing walking around watching the Alabama players stretch. Whether we want to or not, we've all got a certain amount of pride and ego. Was it hard to – Take that opportunity and join the Alabama program when that opportunity came around. You know, this is why you guys are the best at what you do because it's amazing you bring that question up because, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate this week. Rip Shear is a good friend of mine, former head coach at Memphis and longtime uh, NFL uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach and tight end coach, and he's spending the week with us and you know, we we're talking about that Alabama experience yesterday, uh, matter of fact, and it is. You know, you have to be able to check your ego at the door. It's not for everyone. And you're going to show up and you're going to have to earn your keep in that program. You're going to have to earn the trust of everyone in that organization. And probably the hardest one to earn is that the, the greatest of all time that wears a straw hat to practice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have to earn your keep. Um, there's an expectation, and it's very humbling. And But you know what? I, I loved it. Um, you know, I loved going in there and having to almost reinvent yourself and just be you and continue to get better and understanding the bigger picture. And uh, those three years, guys, I'm telling you, you know, we're confirmation for what we're doing, but just some of the best three years I've ever had and especially the last year and a half of in that role that I was fortunate to have. And, you know, the, the, the friendship uh, that really grew, you know, not only with Coach Saban, but, you know, everyone in that organization. I, I still have a group text message with everyone back in Tuscaloosa. A lot of it is we kind of bust on each other. They watch what's going on here. I watch what's going on there. And, uh, you know, I'll get a random text, hey, Butch, it's, 10:30 at night and your staff is still there. Can you go home so they can go home? <laughs> and uh, we'll kind of chuckle, but again, those those three years were remarkable. And again, you, you talk about just the humility aspect and having to kind of take a step back once you get to Alabama. And you had been successful at your other stops at Central Michigan, at Cincinnati, at Tennessee. And then you go and and spend those three years at Alabama and you talk about just being there with Coach Saban on a day-to-day basis. I I know this is probably a long list, but just – a couple of things. What what are some of the things you've already implemented here at Arkansas State from that time just being around Coach Saban on a day-to-day basis? You know, one of the things, uh, you know, is we're very fortunate to have a great staff here at Arkansas State. And, you know, it's, it's the dynamics of it in terms of there's a lot of youth, but there's a lot of experience. But uh, it's my job to continue to grow and develop our young coaches. And I saw that with coach Saban, 
is, you know, every day he'd give you a, a, what I call a nugget of gold or a tidbit or something to make you better, you know, and all the like cliches or all the comical things or the serious things I would write on the side of my notebook with a red pen. And then I'd have a summary page in my notebook of all the different things that he would say that were brilliant or that just got your attention. And I think, you know, being able to continue to grow and develop your staff, you know, uh, we're using a lot in terms of the practice format. And, you know, I think the other thing that's probably more valuable than anything is having that previous head coaching experience and then going to Alabama. And, you know, a lot of people who leave Alabama, all they try to do is copy and paste the Alabama program and their programs. In the Alabama program, there's only one Alabama. So unique with a lot of things that they do that you can't copy and paste that culture. You can't copy and paste everything that they do. I think the other thing of being in that role for the last three years and particularly the year and a half is I understand the whys. You know, I know why we did things. I know what he was thinking when he made those decisions. And so being able to apply those things here, you know, we're doing a lot of things from a practice format as you guys are well aware of and watching, we're doing what's called the two spot where everyone in our program is like two practices going on at once. So there's no standing around. Everyone's getting reps. So why do you do that? Because you learn through repetitions. So why would we have some of our younger players staying, standing on the sideline watching when they could be doing it? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the practice format, the structure, uh, you know, how you organize the staff, how you, how you organize an organization. You know, we have, I can tell you this, our support staff is as good here as we had at Tennessee, uh, Cincinnati, or Central Michigan. And a lot of these individuals are volunteering or making very little money. And it's really remarkable that we have been able to attract the caliber of individual that we have here in our football program. So it's really been fun to, uh, to see them and the sacrifices that they've made. I mean, individuals moving families here so they could be part of our program. It's been a really unique perspective, and I'm very fortunate also to, to be surrounded by a great coaching staff and a great support staff. Coach, from my standpoint, this is the last one. It's one I've, I've tried to get to every time you and I have talked. 11 seasons as a head coach, you won everywhere you've been. Yeah. Only three losing seasons. Two of those were in your first year of the school. The other one was a year you didn't get to finish. Nationally, uh, in the big picture, at the 30,000 feet view, why do people seem to only want to judge your body of work right now by the way things ended at Tennessee? Again, you've won everywhere, including Tennessee. Well, I think a lot of times it's the individuals, uh, it's the minority that's the loudest. And mm-hmm. they're really the uneducated. But you know what? You can't worry about that. Um, you know, you have a body of work in place. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you the amount of calls I get from that other place of saying, you know, we're sorry. We finally realized we had something pretty darn good here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I'm very fortunate for my time there. Uh, but you know what? I've moved on. I'm very blessed and fortunate to be in Jonesboro, Arkansas State University. God has a plan, uh, and it always works out. And I'm so much better for, 
you know, that experience, I'm so much better for my experience at Alabama um, and still have a lot of good friends at that other place. Uh, but I think when you sit back and somebody told me this, they said, Butch, the reason why it is is because you created the expectations and the standards that they hadn't had in 15 to 20 years. And I look back, that was probably the case. And I had a reporter tell me, well, we found out what wasn't good there. Up 25 finishes and nine wins and uh, bowl wins. So you know what? You continue to get better. It makes you a better person. It makes you stronger and it makes your family stronger. So, again, I, I don't know what else I can say and to that question. Uh, but you know what? Things happen. And I love being here. I love our players. I love our staff. Love the community, and I count my blessings every day that I get to walk in and look out and see Centennial Bank Stadium, and I'm a part of the Jonesboro community. And last thing here, Coach, and again, before we even started this, we told you we just wanted to have a conversation today, and obviously we got all season to get into personnel and everything that's going on with the team itself, but you said something to me at practice the other day that I thought was uh, you know, kind of telling. You, know, you said, I don't know how good we are yet but we're going to be really really tough by the end of this so just kind of through this you know to this point in preseason practice what do you like about what you're seeing from your football team sure well i've seen a workmanlike approach i've seen a capacity for work uh really change you know i think we're much more stronger uh due to the summer much more explosive. Um, our players now have a work ethic. They understand what it takes. Um, they want to please. They're understanding the, the mental effort, the mental intensity that it takes every day. I think the biggest lesson they've learned is, you know, everyone that spoke to us in the 4th one program talked to them about being a professional. Well, now they're finding out what it is to be a professional and the way you take care of your body. You know, we showed up day one, and we may have set the record for cramps in a day, and our <laughs> players weren't eating. They weren't taking care of their bodies. You know, they weren't preparing themselves for the rigors of practice. And so we addressed that situation, hit it head-on immediately. Our support staff has been remarkable in teaching these players, and really we haven't had any issues, and it's been much hotter than practice number one. So I think just the growth and maturity that way, um, and I think they've created a high standard for themselves. I think they, they love the culture. They love competing. Uh, but for us, we have to be extremely fundamentally sound, very detailed. we got to lead the country in effort, and that's got to be a mindset in everything that we do. Coach, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, fun conversation, yep. and uh, look forward to uh, the next couple of weeks. It should be a whole lot of fun watching your team out there. Well, hopefully I didn't screw this interview up on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I can fight it back one day to do this again. So this was a lot of fun, and I appreciate the time. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinish the floors here twice? Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here? Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again. In the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. 
Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. And back one more time here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt Stoltz, Brad Bobo, following up on that great chat with Butch Jones. And again, we wanted to kind of go further into you know coach jones past didn't really want to get into x's and o's and stuff but i I really enjoyed that conversation i I did too and i think if we go back and listen to it uh on a technicality the only player name that may have been brought up in that entire interview was adam jones who by the way might also qualify as a surprise in camp to some he's had a lot of good moments himself yeah he he made a couple of Great touchdown catches in practice. Uh, we uh, we saw him under the lights back on Thursday nights, and he looked great. He certainly looks like he can contribute to that receiving core. But at the same time, it, it is kind of a, a family affair mm-hmm. with That's neat. with Coach Jones having a son as a GA, a son as a player, and got to meet his youngest son, Andrew, out at practice the other night. Uh, he's going into his freshman year at Valley View and uh, just an outstanding young man. So you can tell that this whole family is here. They want to be here, and they've kind of bought into to everything that's going on. All right, before we get out of here. Hopefully, didn't make too many parents or expecting parents hot last week, and I don't think this week's will. I, I feel like this week maybe a little bit preaching to the choir, so it won't even take that long. But there's a group of people out there that I just I can't like I can't get where they're at. I can't get my I can't get on the the wavelength they're on, and that's people that don't support and their alma maters. Yeah, I I know you, and I know how strongly you feel about this. So listen, go ahead. I, I don't think, and I I don't. I'm not telling you that you, it's got to be that and nothing else. Okay, I'm not. As much as I'd like to tell you, I think it ought to be. I'm not telling you it's got to be because I get it. And I'll take old Matt Stoltz for example, just so people think I'm not talking about one particular group of people. Take Matt Stoltz, for example, who we talked last week about, raised in Fort Worth, you know, graduate of North Texas. We didn't talk about the fact you came up a Texas Longhorn fan. I did, yes. That's the way you grew up. But you know what? You didn't walk out of Denton, Texas and say, hook them horns, screw North Texas. No, I never, never said those words. So I can't get like... I just cannot fathom your gimmick being, I I want to talk down or look down upon the place that gave me a degree. I'm out here earning a living off the degree I got at this place, but let me talk them down and let make sure everybody knows I like somebody more. I I don't get it because here's the deal. And I would have told Matt Stoltz this too. If you'd have said, hook them horns, screw the mean green, I'd have told you, hey, Jack, when you came out of high school, be true to your school. No, I'm going to tell you before that. I'd have told you preemptively, if that's the way you're going to be, you should have got out of your mom's basement and took your rear end to Austin to school. They were open. I'll check the dates, but I bet it was around before North Texas. I don't understand. Like, look, if you know me more than about 10 minutes, you know my alma mater's are Green County Tech High School and Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. I love them both. One of them, only one of those two I chose. 
Right. So you got the, some of these same goofballs who don't back their college alma mater have undying loyalty to their high school that they had no choice in attending. Now, how bass backwards is that? <laughs> I, I'll wear these high school colors till they stick me in the ground because it's where I lived. It's just where my address was. I chose this place to go to college, but screw them. I can't get there mentally. I don't know how those people are wired. Do you feel better? Yeah, I'm about done. We need to get a sponsor for your rants every week. (laughs) I'm hoping we do this long (laughs) enough I run out. Hey, uh, a fun episode. Enjoyed recapping the the scrimmage. Really enjoyed our our visits uh, with with Coach Butch Jones. Thanks to him. Thanks to our producer, Kate Carlton. And who knows what else we might get into next week. But we'll have another episode coming out next Tuesday. For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.